0: Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Verse 10. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. (laughs) Oh, been alive. Did you notice that whenever the consensus is negative, that whenever you're the positive one, it's like, shut up. No, I think that God is good, and he's going to get us to shut up. It's bad. If you don't, if you don't stop talking positive things, we'll kill you. Stop bragging about God and what he can do. This <laughs> is a little close to home. This is getting serious here. We have to have Thomas come back and sing. <clears throat> the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious, everyone say Glorious. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites of the tabernacle. They should be scared right now. Verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all of the miraculous signs that I have done among them, I'll disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you, Moses, into a a nation greater and mightier than this bunch of crybabies. God's not happy and he has every reason to not be happy. God's not happy. Not because there's giants in the land. Why are we unhappy? Oh, there's giants. They're going to keep us from going... God's not, he's not bothered that there's giants. God's not happy because there's not, not because there's a bunch of people already living there. That's not a problem. God is not concerned about all those things at all. God is not happy because his people are rebellious and they continue to fail in believing in him. That's what makes God unhappy. God never says, oh, we just came to the Red Sea. What are we going to do? This is so hard. No. He doesn't come to the edge of the promised land and goes, we've been gone for 400 years and now there's giants here. Oh, no. 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 God comes to the camp of his people and they've rebelled against him and they're in disobedience to get him against him. And that makes God unhappy. Oh, hallelujah. Miracle after miracle. And all they can see is the problem and their own inadequacies. They refuse to see what God is trying to show them. He tells them, go explore my gift to you. And they go, oh, we can't. Oh. Did you ever give a gift that you were really proud of to somebody that you really loved? And they said, well, I just can't take that. I worked hard for this. You better take it. am I the only one that's ever felt that way (laughs) now all of a sudden I feel very transparent you guys are throwing stones at me (sniffs) yeah you want to give something good to somebody and they say they can't no you can I, I it's a gift it's free to you you do nothing can you get that in your brain Because the greatest obstacle to us coming to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ is, I have big sin, so I can't. And God goes, I know you can't, so I did it for you. Duh! Right? You don't know how big my sin is. You don't know how big my God is. Verse 13, but Moses objected. Moses is just a prince of a man here because... God comes to me and says, Brent, I don't like desert heights people. I'm going to smite them and make a greater people through you. I'd be like, all right. See you guys. (laughs) I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just kidding. Just because it's funny. Moses objected. God says, I want to destroy them all and start over with you. And Moses objected. He says, wait, what will the Egyptians think when they hear about it? He asked the Lord. They know full well the power you displayed in rescuing your people from Egypt. Now if you destroy them, the Egyptians will send a report to the inhabitants of this land of Canaan who have already heard that you live among your people. These are people who make images out of rocks and wood and gold and then they pray to them and then they hear there's this nation who's coming towards us and the rumor is that their God lives among them. It's terrifying. Well, you mean like they put him on a cart and they drag him along with him. No, 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 no. Like he's a pillar of, of fire at night and he's a pillar of cloud by day and he's present among his people. He's not a God far away and he's not a God that they had to carve out. He's like the God of the whole universe and he's present and he travels with the, with the Israelite people and they're coming here. Hey, did you get that in your head? That's what's happening. All right. All right. If you ever come in during the week and I'm standing on my chair in my office, it's because I'm sermon prepping, okay? They know full well the power you displayed in rescuing your people from Egypt. Verse 14, now if you destroy them, the Egyptians will send a report to the inhabitants of this land that, you have, that, that uh, who have already heard that you live among your people. Sorry, I was lost for a second, but now I'm found. They know... They know, Lord, that you have appeared to your people face to face and that your pillar of cloud hovers over them. They know that you go before them in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Verse 15. Now, if you slaughter all these people with a single blow, because Moses knows, he would be like, God just sneezed and Israel's gone. Now, if you slaughter all these people with a single blow, the nations that have heard of your fame will say, the Lord was not able to bring them into the land he swore to give them. So he killed them in the wilderness. Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord, prove that your power is as great as you have claimed. For you said, Moses is going to hold God's word against him. I like this. This is brave Moses for you said the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. Forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. But he does not excuse the guilty. He lays the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations. In keeping with your magnificent unfailing love. Please pardon the sins of this people. Just as you have forgiven them ever since they left Egypt. Forgive them, Lord. They don't understand what they're doing. (sighs) Number five. The penalty for contempt. Verse 20. Then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land they have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs i have performed both in egypt and in the wilderness but again and again they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice how did israel test god By refusing to listen to God's voice, God gives instructions and we go, eh, I got a better idea. And God says, uh, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. Verse 23. They will never, ever, God continues on speaking. They will never even see the land I swore to give to their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me. So I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Now, turn around and don't go on toward the land where the Amalekites and the Canaanites live. Tomorrow, you must set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. I'm an impatient traveler. And so anytime we're turned around, I'm immediately anxious. Can you imagine? We're two years getting here, 400 years getting to this promise. We've been in the desert drinking water out of rocks. We're finally here. And God says, turn around. You guys aren't coming in. The opposite direction of the promised land. Verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up? with this wicked community and its complaints about me. Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Verse 29, you will all drop dead. This is why I like the New Living Translation (laughs) because they kind of, Put a point on it. You will all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is twenty years old or older was included in the uh, in the registration will die. Uh, back in the we, we skip through it, but uh, at the first of, when they first come out of Egypt in Numbers, they count everybody, and that's important because whenever in forty years from now when we're finishing up this series. Um, uh, we're coming back into the promised land. They're going to count everybody again. So it's, there's two censuses that are taken. Censuses? since Sensei? 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 Anyways, in Numbers, there's two registrations. And he says everybody included in the first registration will die. Verse 30 You will not enter and occupy the land I swear to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of uh, Jephani, Jeffani. The emphasis is on fun. Jephunneh and Joshua, who had no parents. Uh, yeah, stick to preaching, bro. All right, he was a son of none. All right, verse 31. You said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring them safely into the land, and they will enjoy what you have despised. Remember, they complained about it. God says, fine, I won't give it to you. I'll give it to your children. But as for you, you will, again, drop dead in this wilderness. And your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you lie dead in the wilderness. I said it last week in the Ten Commandments because it's just in the text how your sin will affect your children and possibly your grandchildren and on and on. And part of it, I do think it's a spiritual law, but it's also a little bit psycho- psychological because we tend to do what we saw our parents do. Are you with me? So we, you can say, well, I'm going I'm to disobey God and then I'm going to pray for my kids to do better than me. You don't make the rules. God says, if you live in rebellion against God, there's a good chance your kids are going to live in rebellion against God as well. So no. Sorry, I like the way you're looking at me now. Let's continue on. Verse are we in verse 34? Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. Then you will discover what it is like to have me. Who's me? God for an enemy. Verse 35, I, the Lord, have spoken. I will certainly do these things to every member of the community who has conspired against me. They will be destroyed here in this wilderness, and here they will die. Verse 36, the ten men Moses had sent to explore the land, the ones who had incited rebellion against the Lord with their bad report, were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Of the 12 who had explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. The penalty for not listening to God's voice, they will drop dead in the wilderness. Their children will wander around for 40 years. That's terrifying to think that your children will just wander for 40 years. I mean, if our kids don't go exactly from high school to college, we start getting nervous, right? Oh, no, are they going to make it? Are they going to be okay? Nope, 40 years, you're just going to wander around with nothing to do. The 10 spies who incited the rebellion against the Lord, they were struck dead. But we were just speaking the truth. We just said what we saw. Have you heard things like that before? These poor 10 spies are like, that's just what we saw. That's just what we saw. It was real. Those giants are real. Here's the lesson. We need to obey God first. And then look to see if we can see what God sees. We obey first. And even if we can't understand why God is telling us to do whatever he's telling us to do, obedience is paramount. You do this with your children. I happen to think of this this morning. How many times have your children asked you a question and you told them, just because. Why this? Just because. Why that? Just because. And the reason is, is that they may not be able to understand why you understand that it's important that they obey right now. We come to God and it's like, I'm not going to do anything until you explain to me why, why we can, how, how we're going to take the promised land. And God says, well, fine, I'll just turn you around and I'll teach you a lesson. We wouldn't let our kids treat us that way, but then we do it to God. God says, go this direction, and we're like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to obey God or not. Hmm. The only thing more dangerous than the giants is God. If you were here last week, one of my points was God is scary. The only thing more dangerous than the giants is God. Don't rebel against him. Listen to him carefully. Verse six, or number six. Oh, we are at the end. Don't anybody say hallelujah? Don't do it. Delayed obedience is disobedience. We picked that up off of a TV show when my kids were little, and so we used it with our kids. That was pretty fun. All right, it's good. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 39, when Moses reported the Lord's words to all the Israelites. So God doesn't tell them all. He sends Moses to tell them what's going on. The people were filled with grief. Well, of course they were. Then they got up early the next morning and went to the top of the range of hills. Let's go, they said. We realize that we have sinned, but now we are ready to enter the land the Lord has promised us. Sure, now that you know what the penalty is, you're ready to obey. We do this with our kids, right? You'll either mind me or I'll spank you. Oh, well, if you're going to spank me, then I'll mind. If there's no consequences, then I'll just do whatever I want to do. With God, we have this thing in our brain where we say, I'll do this if I want to, and God, you can go do whatever you wanna do. And if I disobey you, oh, whatever, it's no big deal. No, 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 no. If we don't do what God says, then in this story, he changes the instructions. You don't get to go back to one and start over. No, no, that's not the way it works. Verse 41. But Moses said, why are you now disobeying the Lord's order to return to the wilderness? It won't work. Do not go up into the land now. You will only be crushed by your enemies because the Lord is not with you. When you face the Amalekites and the Canaanites in battle, you will be slaughtered. The Lord will abandon you because you have abandoned the Lord. Oh, man. But the people defiantly pushed ahead toward the hill country. Even though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant left the camp, then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in those hills came down and attacked them and chased them back as far as Hormah. Israel had no faith to take the promised land as God had instructed them. It was only after God's instructions... To them, that they go marching back toward, pardon me, only after God instructs them to go marching back toward the Red Sea, do they decide to obey. It's like, well, if you're going to make us, if you're going to force us, then we'll obey. By then it is too late. Delayed obedience is Disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience, not just for our children, but for us. Because, don't look around right now because we're all a little bit guilty of this. God says, here is what I want for you. Here's my desire for you to live a holy life, a life that's set apart from sin, a a life that is set apart for the glory of God. And we have this little way of saying as adults, I know, but I want to do this for myself first. I need to go sow some wild oats. Then I'll follow God. I need to I just have some shady business I need to take care of and then I'm going to commit and I'm going to serve God. Don't. Don't do that. God is not mocked. We do not play games with God and stand in defiance and then say, "Okay, now I'm ready for your blessing." No, you don't. You don't. God's instructions have changed. Now, instead of obeying God and going back into the wilderness, they decide to defiantly move into the promised land. Because that's something we would, we would justify in our minds. Well, now I'm doing what God told me to do. And God's like, no, no, you should have done it the first time. So God sends the Amalekites and the Canaanites to come and whip up on Israel. It could be said, it could be said, well, Brent, that's not fair. And then we can make excuses as to why we should have the prerogative to obey God at our leisure. But God's pretty clear. Delayed obedience is disobedience. God expects us to obey him now. Not when we see it as logical or beneficial. Have you ever done that before? Can you imagine whenever Jesus tells the disciples, go get get some empty vessels. We're going to turn some water into wine. They're like, I don't believe you. We may never see the logic or the benefit in God's instructions. I'm not pausing because I think that that's just wow, but I'm pausing because that's just wow. We... In our finite little minds may never understand the logic or the benefit of God's instructions. It is not for us to judge, grasshopper. It's just for us to obey. But I need to understand. You can't understand. God gives us instructions and we just obey it. So back to the original question, do you see what God sees? Probably not. Most often, we don't. We don't see what God sees because we are not God's to any degree. All right, I just rained on some of your parades, huh? Consequently, we are completely, completely dependent upon trusting and obeying his instructions. Why? Because we trust that as God, he sees the big picture and he can give your life direction. And as you live in obedience, you fit into the glory of God in the big picture. If you don't live in obedience to him, then he can't make you fit into his glory in the big picture. Isn't that amazing? The Apostle Paul, he abbreviates this whole sermon down in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. He says, we walk by faith, not by Yeah, not by sight. We trust God. We listen carefully and we obey. Do we always see the reasoning? No, we don't. Sometimes we give a little extra money to somebody we run into or we stop and pray with somebody we may not know. Well, why would I do that? Just because the Holy Spirit in your heart prompts you to. Well, I need to understand why. Is there a problem? Fill out this form, sign it, have it notarized. We'll check and make sure. And then if it's all clear, then we'll do what God wants us to do. I'll bet every single one of us, I'm transitioning, by the way. I can tell because my highlighter color changed. I would show you, but we don't have time. I will bet every single one of us here this morning, if we were to go around the room one by one, We can not only name a giant in our lives, but we can also explain some area of our lives where we're a grasshopper, our own inadequacy. But that is not what God sees. God has offered you and I this promise of salvation and eternal life that was purchased by his son. God has promised the presence of his Holy Spirit to empower you and I to live for his glory. We can't, amen, I'll get on on with that sermon. We can't, but God through his son, Jesus Christ, through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God sees you and I as being vessels of his glory. That's pretty cool. Not because we did anything great, because God is a great and glorious God and he can work even in grasshoppers like us to conquer the giants of the promised land. So we fix our eyes on him and we follow him without wavering. We just trust that God is God and what he says is good even when we don't understand it and it seems unreasonable, we still trust God. Let's all stand together. I wanna take a moment, a quick moment. And uh, I want to do what I've done in Sunday's past. If there's something that you would consider a giant in your life, or if there's something in you that you're struggling with, where you're a grasshopper, and you just need prayer, because, hey, we're in this together. God doesn't send just a few of the Israelites back out into the, out into the wilderness. He sends them all back out into the wilderness. Even Joshua and Caleb had to go back. We are in this together so we're gonna pray for one another. So if you have something that you want to be prayed for today, something that is an obstacle, or maybe it's you, I want you to put your hand up before you do. I'm gonna make a joke. Sorry, this is the serious part of service. If you have a giant, we're gonna recognize it like that. If you're feeling like a grasshopper, we'll recognize it like that. It's pretty funny, huh? Seriously. I just want you to, I want you to look around because I want you to see who puts their hands up. I have an obstacle. I have things that I just need help. Raise your hand if you feel like there's something in your life that you just need help. All of us need prayer. I want you to look around and I want you to notice and then we're going to close our eyes and we're going to pray. You can put your hands down, close our eyes. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that as we face life and all of its challenges, we can choose to fix our eyes upon you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We don't have to concentrate on all the negative things of this world, but we can focus upon you because you are glorious. Lord, you saw by a show of hands this morning our weaknesses, our weakness in ourselves and our weakness to focus on the giants instead of focusing on God. So Father, this morning I pray that the God who parts the Red Seas and the God who causes water to come out of a rock the God who can feed millions of people in a desert day after day, that that God will perform a miracle in our lives. Father, that our confidence will be in you. We will be so confident that we will live in obedience in you and we'll we'll turn from sin and trust you with all of our hearts so that you will be glorified in us. Father, we just look to the Lord Jesus Christ for you to wash away our sins so that we can stand before your throne white as snow, that we can be forgiven, that we can be your children, and that you will be glorified in our lives. Father, I thank you for your great work in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church weekly message. We meet on Sunday mornings at ten thirty a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.